0: This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 2579, The Biggest Lie in Personal Finance, by Nick Majuli of of ofdollarsanddata.com. And I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. Welcome back to Optimal Finance Daily, where every day I read and offer commentary on some of the best personal finance blogs on the web in about 10 minutes or less. So with that, let's get right to our next article as we optimize your life. The Biggest Lie in Personal Finance, by Nick Majuli of OfDollarsAndData.com. Last week, Michael Batnick brought to my attention an article titled, I Retired at 35 by Following These Principles. It's not that hard. Yeah, it triggered me. It triggered me because without even reading the article, I know that these five rules have little to do with how they retired at 35. How do I know this? because all of these early retirement articles are the same. They all say things like, make it a goal, track your expenses, establish a system, blah, blah, blah. But none of these things are the actual reason for how they retired early, because the actual reason is either, number one, earning a high income, or number two, having an absurdly low level of spending, or both. In the case of the blogger that wrote the article mentioned, I don't know his income history, But I do know that, quote, he lives full-time in his 30 Airstream classic, end quote. It's too bad that one of his five rules wasn't retire in a trailer. But seriously, his advice has little to nothing to do with how he retired early. The reason his advice misses the mark is simple. All the expense tracking and goal setting in the world cannot make up for an insufficient balance. Don't just take my word for it, though consider what the Consumer Expenditure Survey from the Bureau of Labor Statistics has to say. A look at the data. For example, if you look at the percentage of after-tax income that the poorest 20% of U.S. households spend on food, housing, healthcare, and transportation, it becomes quite clear that low income is the problem here. This doesn't include any money for education, clothing, or any form of entertainment just the necessities swallow their entire paycheck and then some. Considering that their annual after-tax income is, on average, only $11,700, it's likely that many of these individuals are younger and less experienced, such as students, than the typical American household. Because we don't know the age or household size of these income cohorts, the comparisons are not necessarily apples to apples. Despite this, the next 20% of U.S. households aren't that much better off than the bottom 20%. For example, even though the next 20% of U.S. households has an annual after-tax income about three times higher than the lowest 20%, at $31,200, they still spent most of their income on the necessities. Meanwhile, the highest 20% of U.S. households, with an average income of $162,000, spend only about half of their take-home pay on the basics. If we include expenses outside of the essentials, it looks like roughly half of all U.S. households spend more than they earn. This is an unfortunate reality, but one that more clearly demonstrates why so many U.S. households find it difficult to save money. They end up spending most of their pay on just the basics. The Biggest Lie After seeing data like this, it's hard for me to understand how any sort of expense tracking, goal setting, or system is going to fix it. Yes, some percentage of U.S. households don't have the knowledge or habits or mindset to improve their financial situation. You can probably think of a few people like this from your personal life. But remember, N equals 1. While there are lots of people who are in financial trouble because of their own actions, there are also lots of people with good financial habits who just don't have sufficient income to improve their finances. That's why the biggest lie in personal finance is that you can be rich if you just cut your spending. And the financial media feeds this lie by telling you to stop spending $5 a day on coffee so that you can become a millionaire. However, these same pundits conveniently forget to mention that this is only possible if you're earning 12% annualized returns something that is far outside the norm of 8 to 10% a year even if you could get 12% annualized returns you would need to earn these returns while holding a 100% stock portfolio without panicking for decades easy in theory but difficult in practice this is the same financial media who writes stories about how people save money by living in a trailer making their own dish soap or reusing their dental floss yes it's that ridiculous But what really gets me is how these examples are provided as proof of how cutting spending can make you rich. Just think about how condescending this message is to the typical American family. The author of these posts might as well say, See, you poor bastard, the reason you aren't financially free is because you keep buying Tide Pods. But most of us can see the trick they're playing on us. We know that they're using exceptional cases and presenting them as some sort of validation of their lie. It's run-of-the-mill financial pornography. Despite this, many of us keep reading these articles. I think we keep reading because we want to believe that there's some secret to getting rich. But as I have said before, there are no secrets. Actually, the only secret that I know to get rich is to grow your income and invest in income-producing assets. Of course, that's far easier said than done. The best way to grow your income is to increase your human capital and keep increasing it, full stop. And you don't have to learn to code either. There are many other options. For example, I saw this tweet about someone who learned 10 advanced Excel formulas on YouTube and was able to increase her income by $20,000 in just a few nights of studying. Not everyone can do every job. That is, everyone can't code, sell, empathize, etc but I believe most people can escape poverty if they put in the work. Instead of trying to convince everyone that they can be rich, we should be trying to convince everyone that they can be not poor. Now that would be a start to undoing the biggest lie in personal finance. You just listened to the post titled The Biggest Lie in Personal Finance by Nick Majuli of of ofdollarsanddata.com. It's no secret that something always comes up when you're running a small business. It's time to take the pain out of payroll benefits and HR and put the joy back in running your business with Gusto. Gusto's payroll and HR services can make it a little easier. Gusto was designed for you, the small business owner. They take the pain out of running a business, automatically calculating paychecks, filing payroll taxes, setting up open enrollment. Gusto does it all. Want more? Time tracking, health insurance, 401k, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts, you get the idea. With Gusto, you can focus on the joy of running your business. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from another provider, Gusto can transfer all your data for you. It's no surprise 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. 94. Here's the best part. Because you're a listener, you get three months totally free. All you have to do is go to gusto.com slash OFD. Again, that's gusto.com slash OFD. I'm telling you, you're gonna love Gusto. Get started today. I don't disagree with Nick here. I do feel that the mainstream media tends to share incomplete information when profiling people who retire early. And I've experienced this firsthand because a major network released a story about me. I found that their audience immediately used my story as a reason to feel bad about their own financial situation, or to justify why they can't do better financially. They see that they don't have the same circumstances, income, preferences, and skills as I do, and their conclusion is that this must mean financial freedom is out of reach. For many, my story is not inspiring. It's agitating. What I wish people knew is that the specific details of my story are irrelevant because they aren't repeatable. What is replicable are the basic rules of money. I spent less than I earned. I got creative and resourceful about getting my needs met. I questioned my relationship with consumerism. I had a very simple investment strategy and I didn't outsource my financial literacy. I also think people get irritated that the role of privilege isn't acknowledged enough in these stories. Again, I don't disagree. A big part of my own financial turnaround is recognizing how much I was wasting my privilege. However, anyone's level of privilege is outside of their control. And a lot of what we talk about when it comes to improving your finances is focusing on the elements of your life where you can exercise some agency. Systemic poverty is a real issue. There are absolutely people that have no opportunity to increase their income or decrease their expenses but the content we're talking about here is directed at people who could do better, but are choosing not to. And that's another edition of Optimal Finance Daily. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back with you tomorrow with another post. So I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.